to That Wellness Podcast with Natalie Deering. I'm sitting here with a friend of mine, Thomas Gruba. Thomas is a licensed marriage and family therapist who's living in the metro Detroit area. He works in private practice and he is level one trained in IFS. Welcome, Thomas, to the podcast. Thanks, Natalie. It's great to be here. I'm really excited that you're here (laughs) because we know each other. Mm-hmm. And anytime I'm able to interview someone that, that I know, I'm like, parts of me are really excited about it. So yeah. I want, I want to speak for those parts right now. I have the same parts too. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, really wonderful getting to know you during the level one training. So um, we really, we went through it together. We did. Yes. And that's, yeah, I, I, like we were talking before we hit record, I was telling you that I love to share with the listeners how I know someone when I'm interviewing them. And, and yeah, we know each other from us both being in the same level one training for IFS. And we were, I was actually just talking about this story. I just got done interviewing our mutual friend in IFS, Gabby Bernstein. And I was, you know, talking with her in this beginner part about how, yeah, we came to know each other. And so this story involves you, obviously, (laughs) because (laughs) in, in that first day, I can't remember, was it the first day or like the second day of the first weekend where they put us in the first triad group, right? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Because it was me, you and Gabby, and then Teresa. Okay, sure. Uh Uh-huh. I do remember that. Yes. Do you remember that? (laughs) I'm like, do you remember that? We were also part of the breakout group as well. Well, we were part of the same home. We were also in the same home group, all of us. That's what I mean. Yeah, the home group. Yeah, I know. And that what was so, I felt like it was like the universe, I feel like, put us together. (laughs) I really do. Because I was so, parts of me were so nervous. That Were you nervous? That first, I was was so nervous. And I think you and I shared the experience where we did the introduction. And we were like at the very end. I was the the last person. Were you? I think I was like fourth to last. I was so nervous just waiting to introduce me. I don't even remember what I said. I totally dissociated. Oh, me too. I was so nervous that I was like, (laughs) like my face was shaking. (laughs) Because I want to tell listener, okay, it took three hours. It was three hours of everyone introducing themselves, which was beautiful. Because we got to hear from each person in the training and everyone was from all different parts of the world. And it was so cool. It was like, what, 30 of us. So, I mean, it wasn't a huge group, but you go through 30 people and like in the PAs, right? And the PAs and the trainers. And it was three hours long and you didn't know, did we know like where we were in the lineup? We didn't, they would just call upon us or like our face would just show up on the Zoom screen. And so it was just like, oh yeah, like parts of me were like, oh God, okay, what do I say? And I would like write down, I wrote down stuff and then I would cross it out. And well, I I did the same thing because I'd hear someone else introduce themselves. I was like, oh, that was great. Maybe I'll do something similar, right? Not the same exact thing, but yeah, so the it was changing as I was listening to people. And yeah, it's kind of funny too, that you mentioned, you said all these parts were up, right? But we didn't have the language at that time or a theoretical language, let's say, not in terms of practical stuff. So yeah, God, there were so many parts that were up for me at that point, you know, the parts that 
wanted to appear very uh, knowledgeable and professional. And then the parts that were just my little kids that were terrified of like, oh my God, I have to go up and do a book report, you know, like a, some yeah. three year I'm sure there were exiles that were coming up <laughs> as well. Oh yeah. That night before the first day of training, I, I think my planner parts and parts of me yeah, that wanted to look and sound smart <laughs> or prepared, I like read through the whole training manual <laughs> <laughs> and was like, oh my gosh, okay, let me make sure I'm prepared that right. I know what we're going to be doing, you know, this weekend. Right. And mm-hmm. yeah. And so I was, I was the very last person to to go and by that point my system was like freaking out and I just remember my eyelids were like shaking (laughs) so nervous and so then then yeah they put us in the first triad which if the listeners I, I feel like I've been talking about this randomly throughout different episodes but yeah so then it's like three participants and then a program assistant and you're in there to practice doing IFS and these different exercises and it was, yeah, me, you, and Gabby, and Teresa. And I just remember feeling, <laughs> I remember like all of your, like all of our energy, like the energy of Teresa was so calm. Mm-hmm. And then like me, you, and Gabby could like, I think we felt safe with each other to honestly express how we were feeling. <laughs> and yeah. And yeah. then we were like with each other, I think for maybe that whole weekend because i remember yeah we got we got Mm -hmm. close and then we realized we were all in the same home group Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which was wonderful and then we just kind of clicked and kept meeting up yeah like after the training right because i think that we were in a couple people or did the home group stay the same the whole time it was the same home groups the whole time right but i just remember we had a lot of contact there was a lot Mm -hmm. that was yeah. So yeah, you're, you're definitely you and, and then eventually Christine, Christine as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gabby introducing me and you to Christine. Cause I didn't really get much interaction with Christine until the very last day of training. And I, I think I shared, I think I shared this story with her. I also have interviewed Christine on yeah. here now. And um, that was interesting how that worked out as well because I think we had already had like one meetup like outside of our training all four of us together and yeah Christine she's great and so yeah I'm just so grateful like looking back at the experience of our level one I mean it's a lot and it's like six months of your own intensive therapy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, and you bring up an interesting point too. And I don't know if we want to, you know, uh, just touch on it and cover it later. But you know, you're talking about when we were introducing ourselves. You know, that these parts were coming up, and we didn't really have a working. Uh, at least I didn't, anyways. Let's put it that way. That I didn't have a real working uh, uh, internal framework yet for that. I had done a little bit of IFS with my own therapist, uh, and this will be another part of the story. My supervisor, as well as IFS trained. But I didn't realize how much of the training would be internal parts work for myself. Mm-hmm. Right? You go to these trainings and you're like, oh, I'm going to learn this technique. I'm going to figure out how to do this. And it, and it kind of makes sense with maybe some other modalities. Like I'm going to learn EMDR 
or I'm going to, you know, whatever it may be, I'm going to like learn. CBT or something. You yeah, know. Exactly. Right. The more, let's say cognitive sort of, you know, uh, modalities, but, you know, but what I took from it, and I think this is one of the beauties of IFS again for myself is the internal parts work that I was engaged in. It wasn't so much about technique of what to do with my clients, although that obviously that's very important, but it was what I learned about my own parts and how my parts show up not only as a therapist, but show up in my personal life as well. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we are in a kind of funny profession. We can't really separate our jobs from ourselves in a way because Mm -hmm. we are our jobs, unlike you know, engineer can very easily separate work from this. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I just wasn't expecting that, you know, and, yeah. and, and it did come out in the introduction, you know, of like, oh my God, my nervous part, my, you know, mm-hmm. overanalyzer part, my part that wants to impress, my part that's scared. Yeah. Uh, to name a few and a simple introduction. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. A part of me, as you're sharing all of that in the back of my mind, a part of me was like, and I can't remember, maybe they said this, but I feel like in trainings, they should say, you know, let's maybe take some time before the introduction and, you know, (laughs) acknowledge and maybe write down everything you're noticing that's happening within yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. And then like, maybe let's share like some of that and what's coming up. Yeah. Cause you know, it's funny. Cause I almost feel like maybe our experiences was maybe flipped, like leading up to the training because I had been like, and correct me if this is not right for you, but I had been like immersing myself in IFS books and like PESI trainings for like a year and a half leading up to getting into my level one. And I was like gradually doing IFS with my clients already, but I wasn't doing IFS with myself yet. Uh, okay. Uh-huh. And so then when I got yeah to the level one training, my for my system, it was like, uh, and I think Ann Cinco, who was one of our lead trainers, like she said this to us, she was like, don't be surprised if after this first weekend, like you or during this first weekend, you have what she called like the popcorning of parts mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where it's just like where parts are just like, bam, 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 you know, and I was dreaming about parts like at nighttime. Oh, it was my system <laughs> was like, here we are, you know, <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> now you're so, finally yeah. looking at us, you know, as, as parts. And, and so, and, and so what I'm hearing from you is it sounds like you already, already had experience with IFS, like personally. Yes, correct. Like before going to the training. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's how I was really introduced to the IFS was, so my background, it's a little convoluted. Um, you know, I uh, got my master's degree a Gosh, I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm going to age myself here. So uh, I graduated in 2000 from a transpersonal program. Uh, so people don't know what that is. That's where uh, we uh, the programs really look at the integration of spirituality. Uh, at that time, also somatic work into psychotherapy. It was not new, but it also wasn't kind of mainstream the way that it is today. Um And then I took a very different career path. I got into photography. I was a photographer before I was a therapist. And then I was a photographer after grad school. But so there's a huge gap in between my graduation and when I actually started practicing almost 20 years, uh, which is kind of really dating myself here. So when 
me and my therapist started to work with IFS, it blended really well with the transpersonal model uh, in, in different ways, but it, it, it's not that far off. And in terms of uh, con contemplation, uh, really looking at what's arising for you in the moment, obviously we have the parts language to throw into that. But yeah, to answer your question, I did a, a bit of IFS in my own personal work with my therapist. And then this is a really one of those quirky stories, but I was looking for a supervisor that was IFS trained. And so she is licensed in Michigan, but lives in Las Vegas. And when I was talking to her about that, she's like, oh my God, I know a great IFS practitioner in Michigan, and he has a free weekly IFS consultation group. You should join that. And I'm like, what are the chances that someone living in Las Vegas would know of an IFS right. in Michigan? Yeah. Uh, and so the supervision as well was kind of IFS oriented. Um, so I didn't really start it, as you said, working with clients per se. It was more the background that I was mm. doing IFS. Um, yeah. And so as you were doing your own IFS work and consultation, was there still a separation between like that being your personal work versus like how you worked with your clients? There wasn't that time. And I think part of it was I, I'll be completely honest here that I was a little bit nervous. Like I didn't know if I had the theoretical understanding and also the practical knowledge to bring it to my casework right away. Mm -hmm. And on top of it, I had already been working in what we would consider to be more talk therapy. And so to make that transition, um, how do you do that as a practitioner to go from one modality to another, all of a sudden say, hey, guys, I want to do this. And they're like, mm -hmm. well, wait, and I'm, I'm going to language this very specifically that we're used to you being this person. Mm -hmm. We're used to you being this therapist. How? Why do you want to muck up what we're already doing? Because it seems to be working. Mm. Um, so I think that that's something that as people transition into IFS, they're going to come to their own way of doing it, but it will be a transition. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, that, that transition and shift to IFS from other modalities. Oh, yeah. I mean, for me, it was like I mentioned a little bit earlier, like I had already been experimenting with it with my clients mm -hmm. and inviting in some of IFS stuff based on these like other trainings that I, that I was doing. And though it's like, I was still incorporating other things, you know, that I had been doing for, you know, over eight years of being a therapist before knowing about IFS. Right. And so it was, talk therapy stuff, but it was also a lot of like psychoeducation about like the brain and the body and the nervous system. And, and also, you know, giving clients, you know, various like resources or coping tools of like grounding and meditation sure. and, um, you know, things like that. And then I felt like after the level one training, you know, obviously I feel like well, at least I, I came out of that training feeling more confident and sure. kind of like, oh, okay, I've, I'm now officially gone through the training. And, you know, I, I feel like I know 
more like, of course, like the background and the structure and, and all of that. And, and tell me if you had this feeling too, uh, but I kind of, or I feel like parts of me just kind of grabbed the IFS model and was like, this is what I'm doing. And then all the other stuff that I had been been doing before kind of just was pushed to the side. Mm -hmm. And because I was feeling kind of like, I didn't really know yet how to incorporate and weave all these different things together. And did you feel that as well? Or how was that for you? I I think I, I, but maybe a little bit differently than, than you did. For me, what IFS has done is provide a framework, and this may sound a little contradictory, but provide a framework for doing IFS with almost and almost not doing IFS at the same time. So what I mean by that is that the internal language that I have for working with clients shifted dramatically. Mm. Like identifying that a client is speaking from a part is so beneficial in the work. Mm-hmm. And some clients just aren't, when I mean this in the kindest of ways, some clients just don't gravitate towards the model. Some right. clients just can't uh, self-reflect in a way that is really beneficial to doing a deep dive into IFS. Mm-hmm. You need to ask someone to go inside and notice. Yeah. And let's be honest, that's not a strong suit in our, our society. Right. Well, we're not taught how to do that, right? Like we're not, no, we're, yeah, in, like it's, right. Right. Or very little, right. Or the idea of self-reflection. And I also think one thing that's really beneficial about IFS is holding competing parts. What And what I mean by that is we have a part that's angry and we have a part that's sad. Mm. We're not really taught in our society to hold those contradictory, inf- those feelings, right. That right. takes lot of ability to go inside and say i'm feeling simultaneous thing or different things simultaneously mm-hmm. what do i do with that information what is the relationship between the parts that are up right now and then how do i come to a better understanding that of that and also then look at the parts systemically mm-hmm. so I hope this isn't getting too convoluted, but for a lot of people, that's very difficult to do. Yeah. And so I would say that for me, having an internal working framework for how these parts are showing up in my clients and being able to say, oh, there's a part of you that feels sad and there's a part of you that feels angry without saying you need to focus on those parts let's look at that has had tremendous value in my clinical work. Mm, Good, good. So it's almost as if it's not necessarily direct access. Like we talk about it, like I'm going to speak to your angry part or I'm going to speak to your sad part, but being able to frame it that way. And then then the clients go, yeah. And then it's, and this is what I really love about, uh, you know, the C's is that having compassion and curiosity towards those parts for my client almost in a really gentle way to say well what's anger saying or what's Mm. sadness saying and how are they relating to each other inside of your system Mm. 
it's not like doing IFS, right? Where it's like, okay, because it can be very structured. Let's not get away from that. You know, right. like go inside, identify a part. We have these very specific, you know, uh, uh, ways that we do it. And for some clients, they're just like, what? I have different voices in my brain. What do I have? DID. So I think that, and I know that Ann said this, uh, Ann Cinco, our, our lead trainer, that we will develop an IFS model that works for us each individually as a clinician. Mm. That once we learn the steps and that we really get it down, then we can break from it. It's almost like jazz, right? You need to learn all the notes and you need to learn the structure behind it. But once you learn that, Mm -hmm. then it's fair game. Yes. Like you don't have to go, okay, how do you feel towards the part? What is that Mm -hmm. part trying to tell you? Can that part step aside? What is the exile behind it? All well and good. And there's people that love it. And there's people that come just for that, right? But there's also, I think, a lot of people out there in terms of the majority of the population that are like, I don't really know what you're talking about. Right. Like, I can try to wrap my head around this, but I don't know. Yeah. So having that ability to weave back and forth between a very structured model, which I do with clients, in a very unstructured model, but has the foundation of IFS. Mm-hmm. Again, it's been great. It's been wonderful to be yeah. able. Is that making sense? Oh yeah, and I I love that you brought up that that say because I've been saying that often. I feel like throughout this this podcast and various episodes of there was someone in our home group that was a musician as well as a healer, and mm-hmm. they said that one time they were like you have to learn like the classical structure for music before you can play jazz. And that always stuck with me because I was like, oh yeah, that makes complete sense. And even learning, you know, like it's like when you go to graduate school, you're learning all these different, you know, typically you're learning CBT in a traditional graduate school. So, you know, you're learning like the structure of CBT and and then, you know, you're you're doing therapy in a very, yeah, like kind of like structured way, because again, it's like you're learning it. And so it's like, you gotta, you feel like you gotta follow the model over and over and over again. And then eventually you start to feel some of that flexibility and, you know, uh, parts start to feel more safe and comfortable. Right. And so, yeah, I look back, we're almost, we're almost two years out from graduating from our level Wait, one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I not say almost. We're like eight months away. <laughs> we're a year. Yeah, we're a year and I guess four months um from our level one ending. But you know, I, I think like looking back, I think it's like, what's that word I'm looking for? I feel like it makes sense where like I was at right after that level one because it was like we really got it and then it was okay, now I got to, I'm really going to follow it. And I'm going to really utilize it the way that I learned it. And it's like, now I'm starting to feel more of that flexibility within myself of I'm finding it easier and easier to, yeah, like kind of weave in just kind of naturally IFS with other things. Mm -hmm. You know, like I mentioned before, like meditation and if grounding tools are needed and these are the resources that basically are helping someone connect with self-energy mm-hmm. rather than 
rather because I think before it was, again, I didn't have the parts understanding our language. And so looking back, that style of therapy that I was doing was very manager driven, where it was like me trying to like give them tools to like push away the uncomfortable parts. Right. And now I feel like it's again, this understanding of like, oh, okay, we can invite in meditation and grounding with knowing we're connecting with self. And once there is curiosity or calmness or compassion, openness there, then we can turn back towards the the parts of them that are, you know, activated with maybe mm-hmm. anxiety or fear or depression, sadness, right? Like, yeah, I, I just, I, I guess I'm thinking right now, like as we're talking about this, that it is just kind of a natural development of when you're learning something over time it really integrating and yeah I, I i but i think there's also something really beautiful about the ifs model is that it can do that right like when you're working these other modalities and again nothing banging any of it but you know like emdr it's very structured right and you're not gonna like do jazz with emdr you know because of the way that it works i mean you can have a little flexibility but this model allows for that flexibility there are two mm-hmm. things that you were saying or that struck with me about what you were saying was one that also because of my own personal work, and I want to touch on this a little bit, but that it's much easier for me to identify whether or not my client is in self energy. And that's a huge, huge thing when you're working with someone, you know, I mean, maybe back in the day we would have said how grounded are they or how in Mm -hmm. touch are they? I like the self energy, but it's almost palpable so that you know where your client is at. And let's be honest, you know, none of us are in self-energy 100% of the time. Maybe Dalai Lama, but, you know, I even question that, right? But we're talking saint level stuff here. Mm -hmm. So it isn't also so much about like pointing that out in a real direct way, but like, let's say a client's intellectualizing, they have very little self-energy. At that point, I can say, where are you right now? I'm not saying how much of self-energy do you have, right? That's like, what are you talking about? But if I say that gently, like, well, what happened? Where did you go? Where are you right now? It's it's indirectly addressing how much self-energy is in the room right now. Mm-hmm. That's an incredibly important therapeutic tool. Yeah. And one other thing that you said, too, was that the other modalities that you were, were working with were pushing away these parts, mm-hmm. right? And now I think this is the absolute beauty of the IFS is that it welcomes these different aspects of ourselves. Right. I even go to a point when someone says, and I kind of do it, I can be playful in my sessions. I like relational therapy, what's happening between me and the client. That's very much a part of how I work. But if someone says, I'm angry, oftentimes I'll say, hello, anger. Mm. And it's that way of inviting that part into the conversation. I don't want to say, oh, well, let's talk about how to you not be angry. Mm-hmm. I want anger present. Yeah. I want it here. You are angry. Let's start there. You know, so I think that that's the difference, you know, between a lot of different models in IFS is that we welcome those. Right. But we welcome those in a way that says you're important. Mm. Something happening here is so important for you to be frustrated right now. Something is happening that's so important for you to be depressed right now. 
let's not try to get out of that. Let's try to understand that. Yeah. And let's try to understand that as a protective mechanism that feels that it's doing the best that it can for you right now and simultaneously is causing conflict in your life. Yes. How do we hold all of that simultaneously? So again, I think sometimes if we're just following the the routine of the model, it kind of takes away from the richness of it. Mm, sure. You know, so it's like, hey, let's let all of this be here. There's nothing wrong with you in the classical sense mm-hmm. of wrong. Are is there a lot that's not going well in your life? Absolutely. But is there something wrong with you for feeling angry? No. Yeah. So let's get to know that. And that's where you're, again, we'll all have our ways of doing it, but the language I use anymore of like, well, what's anger trying to tell you? Mm-hmm. What's it trying to say? And like what? Anger has a voice. Well, of course it has a voice. Yeah. You know, how is it, <laughs> excuse my French here. <laughs> how is it trying to help you in a really effed up way? Yeah. Cause it is trying to help you. And most clients are like, I never thought that whatever this is, was actually trying to help me. Mm-hmm. And that's a major shift. Absolutely. I think that is one of the biggest things of IFS, right? Is because mm. you look at these other types of therapy modalities and it's it can be very much a elimination, you exactly. know, type of, of, of model where the client comes in, they say they're anxious or they say they're depressed. And then it's like, all right, let's, let's get well, rid of that. How, how do we get rid of that? Yeah. Right. How do we get rid of that? Right. And like, that's the goal that they get rid of that anxiety. They get rid of that sadness. And again, I think that's kind of a cultural, you know, oh, thing. So. Right. Yeah. Let's get right? all of, let's get rid of these bad things. Right. Yeah. That, that, mm-hmm. that, that, you know, and I feel like we all kind of grew up with that, those messages of, oh, I'm sad. Oh, don't I'm be so sad. sorry. Yeah, don't be sad. Oh, don't, don't cry. You know. Or the other oh. one is he said, "Oh, I'm sorry you're sad." Mm-hmm. Right? Which then kind of, I mean, in a more meta context, shifts from my sadness to you being sorry about my sadness. Now mm-hmm. all of a sudden I'm completely out of my experience. My sadness has no validity. Now I have to take care of you because you're feeling bad about my sadness. I mean, I could right. go on and on about that. Yeah. Exactly. You know? So this one when you know, like, let's say there's a parent and child and the child came up and said, I'm sad. And rather than the the parent go, oh, don't be sad. It's not that bad. Or go, I'm sorry, you're sad said, well, hello, sadness. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Right. And that, and that's what's so, yeah, that's what I love about IFS is that just that, that shift from, again, that elimination agenda to being with and what dick says you know all parts are welcome and all parts have good intention right Mm -hmm. like you were saying the example with the person coming in who's so angry and maybe that anger has had negative impacts in their relationships right like or in their life and that's not denying that right because the other thing that i appreciate that dick talks about is he's like you know all parts are welcome but not all behavior is okay. Right. So it's like, yeah, if that part of you that's angry, it's so welcome to be here. Let's turn towards it. Let's get to know it. And the behavior maybe of 
screaming, yelling, or throwing things or, you know, hurting someone else. Like that's not, that's not welcome. The behavior is not welcome, but let's turn towards the part that is wanting to engage in those behaviors to better understand it and to help it rather than shaming it. Right. Well, yeah, I was just going there. Right. When we have that, I mean, shame and guilt, it's always, there's always parts of that in every person, you know? So again, rather than shaming that, as he said, you know, because now we start to, and I like to think of it, I am a, you know, trained systemically as a marriage family therapist. So I think of systems, I think of patterns, I think of systems or what I might call constructs or coalitions of parts that come together. I don't generally singularly think of parts much anymore. I think of them more operating in conjunction with each other. so um, so I think what's also really beautiful about the IFS model is that, so for example, using the anger, right? Oh, hello, anger. I don't like my anger. Okay, now we have this other part over here, right? Mm-hmm. And what, oh, so the part that doesn't like your anger, what is it saying? Oh, it's telling me I'm bad. Okay, now we have shame, right? And so I think it's really important to pay attention to what's happening between the parts as much as it's important to find out what's happening with a part. Yeah. Because that will give us, or at least again, my perspective, that gives me a much broader understanding of this, my client's psychology. Mm-hmm. It gives me a much better understanding rather than, oh, they have an angry part. No, 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 no. There's a whole coalition around this. And then the guilt then, and I, I'm making this up, but so the guilt is then tied to religious trauma that they had. Okay, so I can use more traditional models in terms of like talking about the religious trauma, what happened with them in conjunction with the IFS. I'm never letting the IFS go, but it's kind of like I move in on it and then I move out on it and I move in on it and I move out on it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that in a way makes people feel comfortable as well. Oh, I actually can just talk about my stuff. Mm -hmm. Obviously, no one's just talking about stuff. But at the same time, oh, I can get rid of this burden in a talk therapy way we haven't done an unburdening of an exile i want to make that very clear but they can get that off of their chest yeah you know oh talk about the religious trauma okay and now we have a different way of framing the guilt too the guilt just isn't there because it's in opposition to the anger there's so much more involved in it as well mm-hmm. oh yeah and that's polarizations right and ifs they they yeah they call them polarizations because i mean we all have them <laughs> And polarizations are basically what, yeah, what Thomas, you just described, right? It's like you have anger and then you have a part that like hates the anger, shames the anger. Um, you know, they're, they're polarized. They're kind of moving against each other. And that just like in a real family system, like an external family, right? Like if two people are in conflict with each other, that is going to have an impact on the rest of the family members. And it's the same thing going on internally right it's like two parts in conflict polarized you betcha there's going to be other parts that are then feeling something else feeling overwhelmed anxious you know Mm -hmm. maybe shutting down you know Mm -hmm. and then when you don't have awareness of those parts and have that clarity i like to view it now as like untangling you know untangling the part energy so there's more clarity there then that can feel so chaotic within. It can feel yeah. so dysregulating. 
Yeah. Anymore, my definition of anxiety is two parts in polarization. Yeah. That's anxiety to me. I mean, right. that's overly broad and overly general, but you have two parts that are warring. You're going to be anxious. Like what you right. said, if you have two family members, let's take the bad Thanksgiving, right? Or something like that. You got a big extended family, <laughs> two people start to fight and everyone becomes anxious at the table, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. All your other parts are anxious because these two parts are warring, right? Yeah. So yes, we do have anxious parts. Don't want to, so like, let's say social anxiety or something that are very specific to a particular thing. But you have two parts warring, you're going to have anxiety. I, right. I would bet my last dollar on that one. So. Well, and I think they even, I don't know if it was in our level one, but I remember in some IFS training, they, they, in IFS, they talk about like the upside down triangle. Do you remember that? Where it's, it's like the top oh, two yeah, points yeah. are the two parts polarized. Uh -huh. And the impact of that is, cool. and typically it's anxiety. Yep. <laughs> so That's you're great. right. And, and again, it's like, that, that doesn't mean that because you're anxious that there's, but it, basically what we're trying to say is a lot of anxiety it can be stemming from it's yeah these polarized parts and mm -hmm. and if you don't again if you don't have awareness and mm -hmm. the language to again bring awareness to maybe what those parts are that are in conflict with with each other then it can feel very confusing mm -hmm. right and again i think that's the beauty of it too you know and again kind of a hypothetical situation of like client comes in, I feel really anxious. Well, we could go, okay, well, let's do all these things to have you not be anxious. Okay, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. Or we could say, okay, well, what are, what are you anxious about? You know, I'm anxious about uh, something at work. Okay, well, what's going on at work? And then we uncover, and again, hypothetically, there's a part that's angry at my boss, and there's a part that's really afraid of losing my job because I need the money. So then we can go, well, okay, anxiety makes perfect sense here. Let's give anxiety the space that it's deserved. And then let's look at these other parts that are now in war with each other. And I'll make it very verbal. Like you have, you're very indecisive right now because of two incredibly important competing interests. So why would you not have anxiety? Mm -hmm. And people are like, oh, phew, thank God. I thought I was like crazy about this. No, right. no, no. So all of a sudden we kind of dissipated the anxiety and then we get to working with the parts. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes just that acknowledgement of a polarity can get rid of the anxiety very, very quickly if oh, it's yeah. polarity specific. So, right. And yeah. again, hello, hello, anxiety. Yeah, of course you're here. Why would you not be here? Yeah. Yeah. And that, so. that I feel like can be, again, just like so powerful, that acknowledgement of, that as a part and having again like its own reasons for why it's there in the first place being able to turn towards it with curiosity mm -hmm. and compassion again as opposed to uh, you know parts within the system that have an agenda of trying to get rid of it right or or shaming it or wanting to exile it and and I know you know I I again I think this goes to like culturally how we're raised in this country and like we have already talked about that like oh you're feeling bad here's all these ways to help that go away you know type thing um because you know i i i sometimes meet with some people and 
and I, I don't blame them in this, but they come into, you know, maybe therapy being like, I'm anxious and I don't want to be totally get it. Sure. Duh. Mm-hmm. Anxiety can feel I've experienced it like completely debilitating. Right. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like sometimes when I bring up this IFS way of, of, okay, I hear you. And I hear that there's a part of you that wants it that to go away. Right. And that part of you that wants it to go away is welcome to be present. Right. And we want to hear from that part. And, you know, and also kind of, again, kind of sharing the IFS way of looking at it as, and your anxiety is another part of you that we can also turn towards and get to know. And sometimes when I share that with a new client, I can see some of their parts like react (laughs) with like, wait, what, you know? Uh, And I think it's, yeah, parts of them that are fearful of the anxiety that again, like maybe those are the parts that brought them to therapy because their intention and their goal is to, again, like, well, no, that needs to go away. Like, you need to help me make that go away. And I totally get that. And so I do feel like that's sometimes initially for some people, I think a turnoff. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, as you're saying this, what I'm thinking inside is that the therapy was led by a part that wants to get rid of anxiety, not self per se. Right. Exactly. So the agenda is very much set by that part. So of course they're going to react to that. Like, wait, 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 no. The part that I merged with that brought me here wants its agenda completed. And you're telling me that that may not be the way. Yeah. And that can be scary to those parts, right? That have never maybe experienced that way of looking at that type of activation within, you know, because again, society, you know, shames it. I was just going to go there, right? How often are we told to turn towards any? any of that. And I, and you've been using that language throughout the podcast. I really like that. But what, what if we were to turn towards it? You know, mine is hello, but yours is let's turn. I, that's beautiful language. Very and gentle, I, very, you know. They, yeah. Uh, and, and, and I love what you've been saying. I love it. I think it's so sweet. Like it just has like a compassionate, sweet energy of you know, like, hello, anxiety. Like, it's just so <laughs> like, it's like precious, you know, <laughs> it is. It well, is. When we think about our parts, they are precious. They are. And I think that, and I think that's also one of the shifts in the learning uh, that happens as we go through this, that we start to develop real compassion for our, I, I, I believe my parts, but also my clients' parts, right? So I become less reactive. You know, I don't try to, and especially with, you know, uh, I love the way that one of the people in my consultation group puts this, but his uh, language is people with extreme parts, which we would more typically say borderline personality disorder, right? These clients are very difficult to work with. Black and white, I've gotten in arguments with them, but the more that I can understand that they're coming from a very extreme part with a very, very important agenda, that if this part wasn't there, their whole world would collapse. And we're talking collapse, identity, dissolution, So we're not talking small things here, right? But if I'm framing it that way, that this part is so important for my client, that it's easier for me than to love them, for lack of a better word. 
I don't oh, yeah. have to go, what are you talking about? Like, do you see the damage you're doing to your relationships? Do you see how contradictory you are? You know, trying to logic box a, someone with a borderline personality, forget it, you're dead in the water, right? Mm -hmm. So this is another framework that I think clinically, and I kind of want to touch on this a little bit if it's okay, that it has helped me clinically as a practitioner, just in my ability to hold clients. Mm. I'm not even talking about doing IFS with them. I don't have to, I don't have to bring up IFS in any way, shape or form with my clients to have the IFS model be effective, very effective for me as a clinician. I can hold clients very differently now. I can understand my parts when they're activated inside of me in session. I can work with those parts and I can hold my clients coming from a part, know they're not in self. If they don't want to do IFS, I can hang with that part, language it in a way that makes sense for their system and really be doing it. And, you know, I, I would almost argue that's almost the biggest benefit that I've gotten from it is my yeah. ability to hold clients in a way that's very different from before. All I have to do is listen to the parts. Mm -hmm. All I have to do is show up in as much self-energy as possible and have compassion and curiosity mm -hmm. and let my clients go. Yeah. Because you're, you're creating that container of self, right? Which they talk about, like, create mm -hmm. that container of self, which is safety. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and, you know, when we are as, as health providers, accessing our own self energy, like you were saying, of compassion, curiosity, openness, their system is going to naturally feel it regardless of us just talking about it right like you don't have to say to your client i am very much in self right now you know their system's going to feel that they're going to feel it and they're also going to feel subconsciously if you're shifting into a part right 100%. and yeah and so then but having that awareness as a health provider of when a part of you is getting blended that's been a game changer for right. me, <laughs> because I look back at my work, you know, in times that, oh gosh, I got, oh yeah, like blended hardcore with some parts and <laughs> said, said some things from parts, but, have, but yes, mm -hmm. right. And, and I, and again, it's like, I can look back at that with compassion because I didn't know, you know, I didn't know. I didn't have the awareness of, of the of looking at ourselves in this way at the time and i do think that if you know people who are listening to this if you are i think everyone should have this way of thinking and right. and turning towards their parts but especially if you are in like a a helper profession you know wellness or healing you know i know there's tons of different ways that can look but I do feel like if you can really dedicate time to turning towards your own set of parts and getting to know them, uh, getting curious, you know, and working, well, yeah, just having that that capability to to be aware, right? Like to have that self-awareness of what's going on within you and you can then 
help create, like we were saying, that container of self when you're sitting with someone else whose system maybe is very dysregulated, Mm -hmm. then like you were saying, like that right there can just be so, it can be healing and in and of itself, itself, right? That Mm -hmm. they may never have been used to sitting with someone who can be present with their parts, who are stuck maybe in these extreme ways mm-hmm. and sit with them and those, you know, parts with that patience mm-hmm. and compassion mm-hmm. and spaciousness. Right. And I'm so grateful for that. Cause yeah, that has definitely been something that has changed, mm-hmm. changed a lot in the yeah. therapy room and in my personal life. Me too. Me too. 100%. Yeah. And I think one thing I know, um, but uh, that once we start to develop that language, that we can then preempt things. And what I mean by that is like, let's say, let's take that, that I'll use the correct vernacular, my client with extreme parts. I can start to work with my parts before session, knowing that this is probably what's going to come up for me. So that I'm already prepared that, you know, I think a a number of these models uh, work with, you're already in the thick of it. What do you do? Rather than go, how do I work with, let's take a client with social anxiety, for example. How do I work with those anxious parts ahead of going to the dinner that I'm already anxious? Mm -hmm. You don't wait to get there then be immersed and probably already merge with the anxiety to go all oh, time for me to work with a part. Mm-hmm. No, you can do this way ahead of time. You can start to prepare yourself as you start to get to know your system better, what parts show up in particular ways mm-hmm. you can be working on it. And I think that that's really great. Like, I don't know how many models have a language of, you know, of working ahead of time. Like, yeah. let's really bring this to light. Let's be self-conscious before that, mm-hmm. before the event happens. Right. And yeah. I, I think that's the beauty of this being by being able to identify like, oh, in this situation, this comes up. Oh, that's a part of me. Oh, maybe I should talk to that part before I go. Exactly. Uh, giving that part attention. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait, you're actually paying attention to me. This is the part speaking. You're like, yes, I am. But like, okay, cool. All right. We're in this together. Yeah, we're in this together. Yeah. And then ask, and then it's like, once you have that connection and clarity with that part and relationship with it, then you can ask it the questions of like, what do you need me to know? Mm -hmm. You know, what are you needing me to know right now? And what do you need from me in order to feel maybe softer in this energy? Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, if it is, let's say social anxiety and they know that they have a party coming up that they're going to be going to like a dinner party or something and they the person can already feel and as they turn inwards like notice the parts of them that either are managers that you know are like all right well let's let's drink some wine or something like before we even go you know and that can help manage maybe the anxiety like that's a manager all right well let me turn towards that part and and again ask it like all right what does it want me to know about this what does it need from me maybe to feel like softer in that energy. And, and then when I get to the party, I I recognize that there's a part of me that's like, maybe we'd call it like a firefighter that it wants to eat all the food, (laughs) you know, it wants to eat all the food while it's there because that's going to help soothe and, and, you know, soften the, the anxious, the anxiety that's really getting elevated because we're already there. Right. 
So yeah, it's like if we can bring awareness to those parts ahead of the time, you know, ahead of time and talk to them before and yeah, I mean, and even as a therapist, I, I what something that I've been inviting in is like before I go into a session, like you were saying, you know, before you're going into a session, maybe with someone in particular that, you know, maybe they might have, you know, high end parts stuck in extreme energies or something like that. And, and you're noticing parts of you maybe getting um, anxious about it or, or whatnot, then yeah, then take a moment, take Mm -hmm. a moment, pause, close your eyes and turn inwards and acknowledge those parts let them know that they're safe. Ask them, what do they need? You know, right. what do they need from you in order to to feel softer in that nervous energy? And, and then even in the session, right? It's like practicing oh. bringing awareness, right? To like what parts of you are blending in and mm-hmm. turning towards them and asking them for space. And, and right. then, yeah. And as you said earlier too, I mean, we're human beings, right? Mm-hmm. We have a personal so knowing what's happening with you, it could not even be about the client. It could be about right. bad things happen, right? We have a sick parent. Uh, we have a child who's home from school. We have some life thing going on. Being able to ask your parts that I understand that you're here. I know that you need attention, but right now, could you soften back? I will come back to you in an hour or two, mm-hmm. even if it doesn't fully go away. And it may not, but being able to acknowledge that and have that part know that you will come back. Yeah. Because I think yeah, as we've, you know, the the parts are want attention because we've never talked to them before. The more that we can do that and say, okay, look, I know that there's a lot going on. Can, can you just step back for a little bit? Mm-hmm. I want to be able to focus, you know, more on my client or something. And yeah. just by, just by acknowledging a part, there's self energy that's there. Yep. Even if we can't unmerge fully in the way that we want to, even if, you know, it's just a, okay, I know that you're here. That in and of, of itself is calling up self-energy That's more exactly that we can right. come from that place. Yeah. Yeah. It's that shift, right? It's mm-hmm. that shift in perspective and even just that subtle unblending is still accessing even just a little bit more self-energy. Yeah. And that yeah. can make all the difference. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Thomas, for oh, it's been great, Natalie. Thank you chatting with me. Yeah, this this has been so nice. And so, I want the listeners to to hear from you. You know, sure. what services are you providing in your business right now in your private practice? Um, I'm doing both individual and couples uh, work. Uh, I'm doing full uh, full on virtual right now, so families they just don't lend themselves to doing that. So. Uh, age range, you know, 15 uh, to end of life. Um, I do have quite a few people that I work with, uh, with ADHD um, in terms of uh, that particular stuff, life transitions. I'm also, uh, I don't know, my emphasis in grad school was an existential psychotherapy. So any issues dealing with that, you know, uh, life issues, uh, again, transitions, uh, couples work. I'm, I haven't been officially trained, but emotionally focused in Gottman. Uh, that's what I bring into my couples work. Yeah. You know, I, I would say probably the only thing I shy away from maybe is more like depressive issues. That isn't really in my wheelhouse, but um, yeah. Okay. Um, perfect. And also, you're in Michigan. Yeah. I'm in Michigan, right outside of the Detroit area. One thing that I will say though, is that um, I'm also um like to think of myself as 
socially conscious white cis hetero male. So, but it's really important for me to bring in feminist theory, social theories, uh, cultural work, um, all of that. So I work with a number of men, you know, that it's like, what does it mean to be a man in today's society? Uh, all that sort. So that's very important for me to have a, a, a social component to my work as well. So. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And how can people get in contact with you and your services? Uh, they can do it. Uh, if you Google, uh, gosh, that's become a word, actually. If you search for my name on the internet <laughs> or Google it, um, Thomas Gruba, you can just put in my name and that's spelled G-R-U-B-B-A. Um, uh, my site today profile will come up probably the first link. Uh, my email is fairly simple, thomas at thomasgruba.com. Uh, or phone, which would probably be the least, you know, effective way to get a hold of me, um, is 510-410-3519. Yeah. And yes, that right. is a California area code, but I'm now in Michigan. So Okay. Yeah. And I'll put your email, your number, and your Psych Today link in the show notes so people can easily find that and, and get in contact with you if they're interested in connecting yeah, with you. All right. All right. All right. Well, thanks, well, thank great. you, Thomas. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. I will talk to you next time. Bye.